This is the greatest story ever told. This is what our Christian faith is, is based off of, is built off of. If there was no resurrection, we have no hope. This resurrection story today is such an amazing day. I highly doubt that anyone here has seen somebody that you know has died. Maybe you went to the funeral. Maybe you were there. And you know what happened. But then you saw them walking. You saw them rise. You saw them a few days later. That is an amazing miracle. And we can all be so thankful for that. I want you to see this morning, we're going to look at the resurrection story, but I want you to see it. We're going to look through the eyes of Mary and Mary Magdalene when they went to the tomb. And this story, it's a wonderful illustration of life with Jesus, life without Jesus, and what life is like once you find him. There is meaning inside this resurrection story that not only tells us and shows us what it takes, what it took for us to be saved, but it also tells us when we have no clue where Jesus is, our life is full of fear. You know that fear that you have felt in the past? You know that felt that pain and, the, and that fear that you felt before you found Christ, if you have, or maybe that, that pain and fear that you feel now? That's what happens when we don't know where Jesus is. But when we find Jesus, our hearts, our lives are full of worship, are full of joy. And that's what happens when Jesus comes in to our lives and it only is possible because of the first Easter Sunday, amen? Although, as we read through our text this morning, I want you to pay attention to a couple of things. I want you to pay attention to the emotions in this story. The emotions that Mary and Mary felt on that Sunday morning, that first Sunday morning. I want you to feel, I want you to see what the guards felt on that morning. I want you to notice what the disciples felt at that time. And I want you to ask yourself, have you found Jesus or are you still looking for him? I want you to see what happens when you find something in a place that you were never expecting, where you weren't even looking. We are all here. We're all here in our faith walk. We're all here in church this morning. And it's all due to the hand of God. But I want you to look at what happens when you find Jesus in only the way that he alone can present himself. I'm going to read through our text and then we're going to come back and dive into certain verses. I'm in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 1. It'll be up here on the screen behind me. Early on Sunday morning... As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell down into a dead faint. And the angel spoke to the women, 
said, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Wow, what amazing words. He is not here. We're going to look at this story through the eyes of Mary and Mary, like I mentioned. And I want you to realize that when they came to the tomb that morning, the reason that they were coming to the tomb was to anoint the body with aloes and with spices. Verse number one tells us that it was very early on Sunday morning after the Sabbath, which would have been Saturday. The book of John tells us that that is still dark outside. And it's important to remember that when these women left their house, they were going to that tomb that they had been to. They knew where it was. They were going there with no doubt in their mind that they were going to see a dead body. That's what they were going for. They had not read the final chapter of Matthew. They had not read chapter 16 in Mark, chapter 21 in Luke, or John chapter 20. They had every intention of sympathetically anointing the body of Jesus with oils and spices. That's what you did in that day. They left their house. See, Jesus was crucified on Friday. Friday night at 6 p.m., that's when the Sabbath starts. You cannot work on the Sabbath. So from 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday, they can't work. They cannot go and anoint that body. They're waiting till Sunday. And so they show up there. They're coming on Sunday. Now on Friday, these women were there when Jesus was nailed to a wooden cross. When he hung from that cross, naked and struggling for breath, these women were there. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These women were there. Late Friday afternoon, when Jesus' body was taken off of the cross and placed nearby in a tomb, these women were there. They had seen everything. They were there through the torture they were there through, through the, the, the crying of, of Jesus' mom and, and other family members and the disciples who couldn't believe what was going on. So on the day after the Sabbath, their first real opportunity, they left home. They left home knowing in their mind where Jesus was and they were going with the full intention of finding his corpse, his body. Now, when they left their home that morning, they didn't know how they were going to move this big rock. See, they were there on Friday when this stone was rolled in front of this tomb. And that was common in those days because let's face it, a three-day-old dead body kind of stinks after a while, right? So it's pretty common to put a rock or something big there. The ladies were there but they start walking not knowing how they're going to overcome this big rock, but that wasn't going to stop them. They said, we don't know how we're going to do it. We'll solve that problem when we have it. Right now we don't have it. We're going to go there and we'll get that taken care of. They knew that that stone was heavy, but nothing was gonna keep them from their mission. But on the way to the tomb that morning, something happened. 
something incredible. Read with me. I'm in Matthew 28, verse number two. It'll be up on the screen. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. I want you to pay attention to that earthquake for a minute, okay? First, we have this earthquake. Matthew refers to it as a violent earthquake. Here in California, we're somewhat familiar with earthquakes, right? Probably not as powerful. It's been a long time since we felt a jolt like the, like the women would have that morning. But this is Sunday morning, and this is the second major earthquake that they have been through in the last three days. Because there was one on Friday when Jesus died. This is uncommon to have two earthquakes that associate with the death of Jesus? So here was this earthquake, and now the appearance of the angel. I'm in verse number two, or verse number three. Matthew writes this, the angel, his face shone like lightning, and his clothes was white as snow. And look what happens to the guards. I'm in verse number four. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. I want to talk about these guards for a minute, okay? These are Roman soldiers. Some of the finest selected guards to just sit here and watch this tomb, expecting for nothing to happen. You know, they've seen tombs before. Nothing's going to happen. But these are military men. They could have been some of the same men who were there on Friday at the crucifixion. And now they are here. These are battle-tested men. They are strong. They are covered in armor. They are carrying weapons. And now the, the appearance of the angel makes them shake. In the, in the original group, uh, Greek, this word is seismos. It's where we get our English word seismic. It's the same word used... What happened to these guards? It's the same word that we saw in the earthquake just in a couple of verses ago. And this appearance from this angel, it, it makes the guards shake and they are, and they, and then, and then they fall into a dead faint. Now they didn't fall and die, but we're talking unconscious. We're talking bodies laying on the ground. I don't know, tongues out. I, I don't know what, but they're on the ground, right? And they are of no use to anyone coming to that tomb now. The warriors are down. They shook so violently to become like dead men on the ground. Now the angel starts talking to the women. I am in verse number five. Listen to this. The words of the angels says, the angels spoke to the women. Said, do not be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as it's, he said it would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. I think those are just such amazing words. You have to remember, the women just showed up. In their mind, about 20 seconds ago, they walked around the corner to see the tomb, expecting there to be a dead body in there. And what they see is a stone that is rolled back. What's up with that? It was there on Friday. And here's an angel that tells them, like, don't be afraid. I'll be honest with you. If I come around, I'd probably be afraid if there was an angel right there. And that stone was moved and the military guys are like laying on the ground. That would scare me. 
angel says, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus. He is not here. Man, we can be so thankful for those words, amen? All of this happened. All of this happened this morning. The earthquake, the angel, the guards on the ground. All of it happened for one reason. Think about this. Why did the angel tell them not to be afraid? Well, this is the first thing the angel said because they were scared. Because it's a frightening situation. But you know why they were scared? More than anything, this all points to this. They're scared because Jesus is gone and they don't know where he is. Jesus is gone. They don't know where he is. Mary and Mary don't know. The guards don't know. At least when the women, before they got here, at least before that moment when they thought he was in the tomb, in their mind they knew where he was, but now our Lord is gone. That brings fear. Here's point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, on the back of your bulletin are some fill in the blanks and I'm going to give those to you. They'll be up on the screen and if you've got a pen, you can fill those in and take them with you. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. Anxiety, stress, worry, fear, panic, and alarm all begins by not knowing where Jesus is. I'm talking modern day symptoms of anxiety, stress, worry, fear, panic, and alarm all begins, all begins by not knowing where Jesus is. There was a time in your life, if you are a believer before before you came to Christ, or if you're someone here today who hasn't given your life to Christ, there has been a time when there has been a fear. That fear, if, if something happens to me tonight, where am I going? What am I going to do? Or maybe it's a worldly fear. Sometimes we fear family members, mother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, right? We have fear, but it all starts by not knowing where Jesus is. Because when we know where Jesus is, we don't have to have fear anymore. You don't have to have fear. Some people have never had anyone bring them to Jesus, tell them about Jesus. And although you may know him, or you might know something about him, this might be one of your first church style services on Easter. Sometimes it's common to go to church on Easter and, and, and Christmas. And I get it. If you were one person, if you were that person this morning that is living without knowing where Jesus is, let me tell you something. The fear will be constant. It will not go away. It won't go away on its own. If you are living without knowing where Jesus is, there is fear, that feeling of what if I died today? Where would I go? That question will remain with you. Your life re remains with that fear because here's why, because your heart is longing for its savior. That's an internal emotion. But what happens when you don't know what Jesus, where Jesus is? It doesn't have to stay like that. It doesn't have to be like that anymore. Your questions of what next, 
If you walked in with those questions today, you don't have to walk out with those questions because Jesus tells us what next. If you're that person who is going through that right now and, and you're that person who has thought about what will happen, you've thought about it before and you know what happens, what we do is we just kind of push that out of our mind, right? I don't want to think about that right now. What's going to happen? You'll go home tonight and that, that thought will come back into your mind. You're at church Easter service and we'll try and push that out of our mind again. And someday we'll push it out of our mind again. But it will be back another day. That will come back. But, but you feel something right now just having to face this. And it's hard to define exactly what that feeling is. Let me tell you what that feeling is right now. Surprisingly, that is love. It's a love for, for you that Jesus has for you. And when I say when you don't know where Jesus is, your life is full of fear, it is the love of Jesus that we are missing. And it's not, it's not a love because he's not giving it to us. It's a love, it's, we're missing it because we're not accepting it. He has that love for us. He's giving it, but are we accepting it? And if we're not, there's that, that, that emptiness. He says in Revelation 3.20, he says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. He's waiting. He's waiting for us. We were made to be loved. We were made to be sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven. That's how we were designed was to be loved by our Father. When our life, follow me here, when our life seems to be in its depths and things are just so out of whack, when things, I, 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 can't, I can't, I'm not worthy. When you are there, Jesus still loves you. He still loves you. When we can't seem to get our act together, and we've been there before, haven't we? When we can't seem to get our act together, Jesus still loves you. When we decide to live our lives by our own direction instead of by God's direction, you know what? Jesus still loves you. Now, it doesn't mean that he approves of our sin. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that. But... He still loves us. The Bible says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we might still be sinners. Matter of fact, we're all sinners. Amen? That's the biggest amen I've gotten all morning you know, on, an Easter, on an Easter Sunday. So here's, he, he didn't die. Jesus didn't die because we were the perfect swap with Satan. He died in our place because he loves us. Amen. See, the problem with living in fear is that fear is such a strong emotion. And strong emotions start to dictate our behaviors. I want you to think about decisions that you've made in the past because of fear. 
And where do those decisions take you? When we're making decisions based on fear, we're getting way, way off track. We, we, you'll have no direction. You have no, no true compass when we're making those decisions because we're afraid we don't know what's next. I want you to see what happens next in our story. I'm in Matthew 28, verse number five. The angel spoke to the women and said, do not be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Pay very close attention right here. The angel continues saying this um, in verse number six. Come, see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Here's the second point in your notes this morning. And this is so important. Highlight this, circle it, put it on your refrigerator. Knowing where Jesus is gives our life assurance and direction. Knowing where Jesus is gives our life assurance and direction. A few minutes ago, both of the Marys were standing there in fear. They didn't have a path. They didn't have any direction. They didn't know what to do next. They didn't know where Jesus was. But look what happened. The angel tells the women where Jesus is. And because of that knowledge, now the Marys have a direction. First, the angel said this, come, come and see where he laid. They were there on Friday. They know where he was laying. That is an instruction from God. This is one of the Lord's angels, right? That is an instruction. And that, even that small phrase, is direction. And then he says, the angel says this, now go quickly and tell his disciples. You know what that is? Instruction and direction. That's what happens when we come close to Jesus. Now, they know that Jesus is alive and they know where Jesus is and now they know what to do. See, a life with Jesus is a life with direction now. Because somewhere either next to you or in that pew next to you or on your phone, there are 66 books in that Bible that have given us direction on relationships, on work, on family, on self-control, on marriage, on parenting. The instructions and the directions have been handed down to us and we all have access to it. We all have that direction that sometime in our life we fought to stay away from. We really didn't want anything to do with it. We didn't want anything to do with the one thing that has the directions and the instructions and the manual for our life. So what we did is we tried to do it ourselves. I wonder if you've ever been, guys, listen up. You ever, you got something wrong with the car? And you say, okay, I can fix it. What you're not doing is taking it to the shop to find the guy that knows how to fix it. But you're saying, you know what? Eh, I'll, I'll figure it out. What happens? You end up spending a ton of money on parts that aren't going to fix it. You're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to AutoZone. You've been there three or four times. The wife is saying, the truck's still not fixed. Why don't you find a mechanic? No, I got this. I got it. I, I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. So you do it again. You go buy the manual. You look through the manual. You're watching YouTube videos. And you know what? You can't figure it out. 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you've been there. I'm not going to embarrass you like that because I think there'd be a lot of hands in there. Okay, there's one hand in the air. There's one honest guy in the back of the room. Thank you, Paul. So here's the thing. Why, why did we never take it? Why did we never take our heart to the one who made it, who knows exactly what it needs? We fought that for so long. But he's got an instruction manual for us. And we left it alone. I am going to ask for a show of hands right now. I wonder, raise your hand if you have ever left your house on your way to work. I think you already know where I'm going with this. You're on your way to work, you get halfway to work, and you realize that you left your phone at home. Yep, I got heads nodding, I got a laugh back there, I've got hands in the air. You left your phone at home and you know that to turn around and go home and get your phone, you're gonna be 15 minutes late to work. That's your choice, 15 minutes late to work or go get your phone. You know what we all do? We all go get our phone, don't we? Because, here's the thing, and this is, it's, it's not fair and it's probably not right that we do this, but, but when you don't have that, there's that sense of anxiety. Like, what am I going to do when I'm at Albertsons checking out? I'm not going to talk to people. I need my phone, right? I, I got to have something to do throughout the day. Where is it? There's that sense of anxiety. But once you go home, you pick it up, that anxiety, that fear is gone. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there, right? You've done that before. I'm guilty and I am ashamed that I've done that before, that electronics have become that. But that's the same situation that we were in, that we are in when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. When you don't know where Jesus is, your life has no direction. When you know where Jesus is though, there is direction, there is a path, and there is instructions for our lives, and we can live life having no fear. That is a fear that, that's the one we like to push away. We don't want to think about it. When the neighbor invites us to church, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm busy. You're not busy. You're not. But you're coming up with an excuse, huh? Yeah, I've, I've got something. Have we used that excuse before? Oh, I'm busy. On You're not busy. It's just not something that you want to address right now. Right? I'm not ready. I'm not ready to address that right now. See, for those who are saved and have given their life to Christ, that moment when you are on your deathbed, there might be a little bit of fear because you don't know what the next couple of moments are like because you're going somewhere that you've never been and sometimes that can be kind of scary but what you do know is that here in the next few minutes you are going to be in the arms of Jesus and you have no fear that's not fearful that's joyous I'm in verse number eight Matthew chapter 28 verse number eight the women ran quickly from the tomb they were very frightened, but still also, also filled with joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, again, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee 
and they will see me there. Here's the third point in your notes this morning. Knowing that Jesus is standing right in front of us gives us reason to fall at his feet and worship him. Let me just ask, and I know it's hard to imagine because this doesn't happen in real life, but what if, what if Jesus showed up right in front of you, was right here? That's reason to fall to fall at his feet and worship him. Amen? Amen. If he was right there, but let me tell you something. Jesus is right here because he is alive this morning. Amen. Not only do, the, do these women know that Jesus is alive, now they are full of instruction and direction. They have found him, they see him, and the Bible says now they are full of joy. That's a very interesting combination of emotions to go through right, right within a couple of minutes, right? There, there's like two different buckets of emotions here. One of them is this cauldron of fear. And this is where the women have been for the last 20 minutes or so. And the other one is just an empty vessel right now. See, before we found Jesus, we had this bucket full of fear. Next to it, though, in this empty vessel, this, this is what Jesus wants to overfill with joy. That's what he wants to put in here. And you know what happens when this vessel overfills with joy? That more joy needs somewhere to go. We're going to kick the, faith, the, the fear out of this one. We're going to fill up that one, too, with joy. Is that all right if we get rid of all of the fear? It can all be gone. See, that's what happens when we don't have to live in fear anymore, is that our bucket of joy can be overflowing. A bucket of joy overflowing because now we know where Jesus is. You know where he is at that moment? He's right here in our hearts, amen? This is where he's at. We know we know when we come to Christ, let me tell you, day number one, day number one does not solve all of the problems. It's going to take that fear away, but we still have life that we have to, to live through. But let me tell you what we're going to start doing now that we hadn't done. We're going to start keeping a closer eye on Jesus. We're going to start keeping a closer eye on what he does and how he leads us. Because we have found that, we have found that joy. And now that joy, that becomes very important. Because you know what we just did? We just gave our lives to Jesus. Why are we going to give our lives to Jesus and then keep all of the actions for ourselves? Now we're to live for him. That's our job. Right? Now we're to bring others into the kingdom. That is our job. He's filling our hearts with joy. Finally, I want, to, I want you to see what Jesus says. And this is at the end of chapter 28. This is the, the last couple of verses of 28. He's talking to his disciples. Jesus says this. I'm in verse number 16. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. 
Jesus came and told his disciples, watch this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, and here's the commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you. This is so important. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is comfort. Isn't that comforting to know? Jesus has made us a promise that when we seek him and when we find him, he will give us directions, that he will show us a path. He will bring joy into our lives. He will bring joy into our relationships. And he has said this, he is never going to leave you. I want you to know that he is never going to leave you. He's never going to leave you alone once you find him, once you create that relationship with him. He will always be with you even to the end of the age. Let me say this, even to the end of your age. I don't know what the end of my age is, but I know that Jesus is going to be there to the end and that's comforting to know that he's going to be there. You don't have to be alone anymore. You don't have to continue living a life without bearing. You don't have to, to live another day in fear. You don't have to live another day without instructions. You don't have to live another day without a path. Today could be that day that it all changes. A life without Jesus has created all of these living abuses that, that, we, that we have been through. It's, it's created all of the destruction that we see, all of the headaches, all of the loneliness, all of the trembling of hearts that are just simply empty. If that is your life this morning, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Let me ask, do you know where Jesus is? Do you know where Jesus is? Here's the fourth and final point in your notes this morning. Once you find Jesus, he will never be lost again. Even if you feel lost, he is always there. He'll never be lost again. Now, let's face it, Jesus was never lost to begin with. We just hadn't found his love and accepted it. It's not on him, that's on us. He's never lost. But you're never going to feel, you're never going to be alone. The resurrection story, it's the basis, the backbone of our faith. Without it, Christianity doesn't exist. And without Jesus, joy doesn't exist. And worship doesn't exist. And happiness doesn't exist. Without Jesus, we would live in a very, very dark world. One even much darker than the world that we know now. You think this is dark. Let's live in a world entirely without Jesus. That's not a world that I want to live in. It could all change right now. If you don't know where Jesus is, if you were looking to find him right now, he promises that he's always going to be with you to the end of the age, to the end of 
of your age, wherever it, that is. And not only is he going to come into your life, he's going to bring a path for you to follow. He's going to bring directions for your life. He's going to bring comfort. He's going to bring joy. He's going to bring value, that value like you've never seen it before. If you're living that life today and you have no clue where Jesus is, maybe you're somebody who thought you had found him at one point. You say, Pastor, I gave my life to Christ when I was a kid, but I don't know where he is right now. Let me tell you, it's not Jesus who's lost. It's us who have got lost again, right? That's us. He's still there. He is still there. I'm going to be down front in just a moment, and if that's you, I want to pray with you. If you walked in this morning, I don't want you walking out with the same fears that you had an hour ago. Walking into the same life that you left an hour ago. Walking out with the same, the same problems in your heart, wondering what's next, with the same heartache. You can walk out of here this morning with a plan for your life, with a book of instructions. Let me tell you something about that book of instructions. We don't all know. We don't all get it right away. There's 66 books there, thousands of pages. That's a lot of reading. When we are babes in Christ, we don't know it all. But it's coming closer to him. It's walking with him. That's called maturing in our faith. You know what happens with our kids when they mature? They start growing up, right? Now they can hold a spoon and eat by themselves, right? Now they can start going from milk and they can start eating meat. That's what happens. Being babes in Christ can come at any age. Not just for children. But we all start young, but we all have to start somewhere. This might be the place for you. This might be the day for you. You could walk out of here today with that plan for your life, with instructions from your maker, and feeling that overwhelming joy that you now get to worship your Lord and Savior. That's not, he's not, <clears throat> he's not just the Lord and Savior of the Christians, of the people at the church. No. He is your Lord and Savior because you are a brother and a sister in Christ and part of the family. Amen? Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know, I want to pray with you. I'm going to be right down here in front. I'm just going to ask you to come. I'm going to be here. Jerry's going to be, he's going to be over here to my left, your right. I want to pray with you this morning. Will you pray with me right now? Lord, this morning, we want to thank you for the cross. We know that that, that was agony, that that pain was agony. But Lord, we look and we see a story 
of women who were in fear when they didn't know where you were, but were full of joy when they found you. Lord, I pray that this morning that, that you find hearts here this morning that are empty and you fill them with joy. Lord, this morning I pray for strength in legs and in knees that will leave their seat and come. Lord, I pray that no one is walking out of here with those same doubts and fears that they walked in here with. Let Easter 2022, God, let this be the day that we no longer live in fear. That we find you. We know you're there. But Lord, turn our hearts towards you so that we can find you, so we can live with direction, with instructions. If that's you this morning, David's going to play and Freddie's going to play and you just come forward and I wanna pray with you. And if that's not you this morning and you're praying at your seat, if your legs just aren't going to be strong enough, I get it. I was 10 when I walked down that aisle and that was a hard walk, I get it. But if that's you this morning and you wanna accept Christ right into your heart, right there, right where you stand right now, I want you to pray this with me. Jesus, I know, I know that I am a sinner and I know that you died on the cross for me because the wages of sin is death and somebody had to die and you did that on my behalf. And Lord, I thank you for that gift. And Lord, this morning, I am going to accept that gift, that gift that you are giving of salvation through your death on our behalf because Lord, you did something I can't do. I can't defeat death on my own, but Lord, you did that for me. If that is you this morning praying that prayer, I wanna welcome you into the family of God and this church is going to applaud and welcome you now into the family of God and we are so thankful. Lord, we praise your name this morning and I pray that you continue, just hear our worship and hear our prayers. I'm gonna be down front, Jerry will be right here. David's going to play. My Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.